growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Because we want God to answer prayers. We want God to, to move in a certain way. But experience tells us, life teaches us, sometimes God knows more than what we know. And sometimes God does not answer a prayer the way we think He should answer a prayer. For followers of Jesus, prayer is a part of our relationship with God, right? But when we pray, is it more important for us to get what we want or for God to do what's best? And so our trust, our faith must be built on God and not the answer we are expecting. Because if it is, if it's built on this answer that, you know, I'm naming this and I'm claiming this. Not This is what's going to happen in my life. And if it doesn't turn out that way, you're left with bitterness and disappointment and disillusionment and anger and resentment. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today is our last message in our Pray 18 series, a four-week study in Daniel chapter 6, discovering some of the parts of Daniel's prayer life that should be a part of ours as well. Today, Pastor Clay is going to challenge us to think long and hard about the question I asked just a moment ago. Is it more important for our prayers to be answered the way we think they should be or the way God knows is best? You probably already know that the obvious answer is that we get what God knows is best. But when we're in the middle of a trial or circumstance, accepting God's authority and His will is not always that easy. But if your faith is in God and in His goodness, then you're in a position where the power of God can operate and work in your life. Our faith, listen to me, our faith must not be in the miracle. Our faith must be in the maker of miracles. That's just one of the parts of prayer that we'll be discussing in today's message. So, thanks for joining us today for the conclusion of our series, Pray 18. Now, here's Pastor Clay. Have you ever found yourself uh, in a prayer situation? You know, maybe a a public prayer situation. I mean, it might be in your home or it might be at church or something. Maybe in a public prayer situation where, you know, maybe you felt a little bit intimidated by somebody else's prayer. Y'all ever, I don't know, have y'all ever been in a situation like that? It's like, man, that, that prayer, I can't pray like that person can. I, I better not pray. I better, y'all ever been in a situation like that? If you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? If you've been around church more than five minutes, you've probably been around somebody that's like a, man, that guy must be a paid professional. He, uh, he prays so good. You know what I'm saying? You got to be in that situation. Well, Watch this video about somebody caught in a situation like that. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. Praying. She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. 
You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, rec as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly. Amen. <laughs> well, prayer is not supposed to be a competition, right? We know that. We know prayer's not a, a competition. In the last few weeks, we have looked at hopefully some of the parts or some of the components that should be a part of our prayer life, some of the uh, aspects that should be included in our prayer life. Today, as uh, time permitting, we come to the end of this series entitled Pray 18, uh, a, a theme that's going to continue throughout the year as we're asking you to, uh, each of you to make a commitment, and hopefully you have your prayer card. I don't know what I did with mine, but you got your prayer card, uh, and you make a commitment to pray for uh, this, specifically for this church, for 18 minutes a week uh, in 2018. I'm asking you all to make that commitment besides the, the other things that you pray for, but We've looked at several different components, so today I wanted to share three more parts that are critical for our prayer life, if our prayer life is going to be what, what we need it to be and what it should be in our lives. Y'all all right with that? Okay, and again, we are in Daniel chapter 6. And so if you have a Bible, uh, whether it's a hard copy, electronic copy, digital, whatever the case may be, you can turn to Daniel chapter 6. We'll be looking at a few passages of Scripture this morning as we walk through these three parts of prayer that uh, hopefully you are uh, including in, in your prayer life or going to include in your prayer life. If you'd like to take notes, there is an outline on the back of your information sheet for those of you that like to do that. I'm going to start with this idea this morning, all right? As we're talking about prayer, here's where we're starting or going with this morning. Prayer is the preeminence of God. Read uh, Daniel chapter 6, and I want to read verses 16 and 17. Uh, we've been working our way through that uh, text uh, throughout this series. But in verse 16 and 17 of Daniel chapter 6, it says, Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring. And when the signet ring of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Prayer is the preeminence of God. Now, as we have uh, walked our way through this text, as we've looked at some different parts of prayer we finished last week with talking about the, the, the aspect of patience, of, of patience in prayer. That, that, as I said in some shape, form, or fashion last week, that prayer has to be based on God's timing and not our timing. That it's God's timing ultimately that matters and not our timing. As I've said a couple different times, God's clock is much more accurate than our clock. So this week we start out with the fact that we come to, to the realization, we come to grips with the fact that not only 
is God's timing the priority, but also God's will must be the priority in our prayer life. It is God's preeminence that has to take priority over our lives. As uh, as it says in Google to define it, uh, the fact of surpassing all others, superiority, the fact of surpassing all others. That's what preeminence is. It is understanding that God takes priority, his will takes priority over ours. Listen, I don't know what all Daniel was praying up there in his room. As Remember, as he did consistently, this wasn't anything new. This is what he did all the time, even in the face of this adversity, even though he knew it was coming, even though he knew what the consequences were that were coming. I don't know what all Daniel prayed of in that room. And to be sure, Daniel was a spiritual giant. There's no question about that. But I, I'm just telling you, I doubt if Daniel prayed, Lord God, Please let me get thrown into that lion's den because the idea of getting uh, torn limb from limb by hungry lions for your honor and glory sounds awesome. No. Now, to be sure, Daniel wanted God to be glorified, I'm sure. Hopefully we all do in our lives. To be sure, Daniel wanted God to be glorified. But I suspect that Daniel wanted wanted God to be glorified by delivering him from this situation. I suspect Daniel wanted God to be glorified by protecting him from this injustice that had occurred to his his life. I suspect Daniel prayed for deliverance. And here's the thing. That's fine. It's okay in the circumstances and situations of our life. It's okay to pray for God to intervene and to pray for what we would desire to see God do or how we think God should act in a situation as long as we are willing to submit our will to his will, as long as we are willing to say, God, whatever you would bring into my life, I, 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 here's what I think, here's what I'd like to see happen. God, here's has, uh, to take our, our situations and our circumstances and our petitions and all those things, thank those things to God and to, to ask him for what we would like to see in the situation as long as you and I are willing to submit our will to his will. Does that, does that make sense? That he has preeminence in our lives. We must surrender our prayers to the preeminence of God. That's what we have to do. We have to recognize that God is the one who is in control. Even to surrender our, our will to the preeminence of God, even in the situations where we don't have a clue or we don't understand what God is doing. Can I get an amen? Because if it's anything that life teaches us, it is that there are times in our lives when we don't have a clue what God is doing or we don't understand what God is doing or why God would allow this to happen. Can we be honest? but we yield to him. That's one of our, that's one of our key words in our, in our prayer acrostic for Pray 18, isn't it? That's why there's a why in there, to yield our will to his will. Because by faith, I believe that he knows more about a particular situation and more about me and more about my future than I do. When Cindy and I, when our, when our oldest son, uh, J.C., was five or six years old, he, uh, we took him to the doctor. He, there was something going on, an infection. We could tell clearly in his face. And we took him to the doctor. He was 
five or six years old. We're not sure. Somewhere in that range. And uh, he was diagnosed with sinusitis, uh, which was an infection in his sinuses. And because of the severity of it and because of the location of it, uh, the doctor had a real concern that it could spread to his brain. And so he was immediately admitted into the hospital. And maybe because of, you know, the smallness of his size, I'm sure the the smallness of his veins, maybe a little bit because of the inexperience of the person who was attempting to do it, but they could not get the IV into him that they needed to get into his vein to start giving him the antibiotics that he needed to fight this infection. And they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried. Sticking this little five six-year-old little boy time and time and time and time again. And I don't think I, I will ever forget the sound of my little boy screaming out, Daddy, Daddy, help! Daddy, make him stop! Daddy, no, no, Daddy! I'm sure he was saying mommy too, but if you're the daddy in the room, that's all you're, you're hearing, right? If you're the mommy, that's all you're hearing. No, don't let him do it. Please stop and screaming and crying. Daddy, let him, make him stop, make him stop. It's hurt, it hurt, it hurt, it hurts. And they stuck him again and again and again and again. And I did nothing. Why? Because he needed the IV. Because he needed He needed what they were trying to give to him. And one of the hardest things we've ever had to do as a parent was to stand back and do nothing while our child screamed out in pain and begged us to do something in the situation. Because I had, we had a greater knowledge of the situation than he had. And so even though he didn't understand, all he knew was that he was experiencing pain in that moment and he wanted out of that pain, we knew that there was a greater intent. We knew there was a greater purpose for what he was having to go through. And so we let it happen. And in our lives, how many times have we prayed, Father, make it stop. Abba, Daddy, it hurts. Father, help. Father, stop. And God seemingly does nothing because he doesn't care. No, but because his sovereign knowledge is greater than ours and because his will has an effect that lives beyond the temporal circumstance, the temporal pain, the temporal hurt, as real and as valid as it is, that that God has an intent and a purpose that lives beyond that and that is greater and that is eternal worth to it. And so there are times when God lets it happen, when he allows a hurt, a circumstance, a difficulty, because he knows what we do not know. Do you understand? And so we must, by faith, choose to submit, to place ourselves under, to yield to his preeminence in our prayer life in our, and in our life overall. You know, there's this, uh, there's this scene in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where the Apostle Paul uh, has this uh, apparently physical infirmity on his life. Nobody knows for sure what it was. There's been a lot of speculation through the years, but he has this, this infirmity in his life. And it apparently was of such a severe state uh, that, he, that he prayed and he asked God uh, to remove it. He prayed fervently for God uh, to remove it. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and first part of verse 9, God responds and says, And he said to me, as Paul writes, says, And he said to me, God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. God said, No, Paul, no. You may not understand why you're having to go through this, but, I, but I'm allowing this in your life for a greater purpose than you can understand And my power can be manifested, it can be implemented, it can be displayed in and through your life as a result of this infirmity in your life. And when when Paul understood that, when he understood that he had a will and he was asking God to remove it, and that's fine and that's good. God, take this away, this hurts, I don't like this. I, I, I think I'd be more effective for you if this wasn't in my life. God, I could do more if this, or I didn't have that ailment, or I didn't have this struggle, or this relationship, or this. God, take it away. And, and when he realized that God's, Sovereign knowledge was greater than his. He was willing to yield to that. And here's the big lesson for us, that Paul comes to this place where in the latter part of verse 9 and verse 10, then then he says, so now, because God said no, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. (laughs) Who wants to sign up for that one? That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in my hurts, in, in this pain, in this problem. I take pleasure in this, he says, and in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That, that's it. It's coming to this understanding. To put it kind of in, in maybe perhaps a little bit modern Uh, translation. Okay, then God wants this in my life. I don't like it, but I'll receive it. I'll, I'll endure this temporary hardship, this, this temporary trial, this temporary pain, this temporary difficulty, because by faith, I choose to believe that God is working something of far greater eternal worth and value in my life. So therefore bring it, bring it. Wow. And the same thing can be true for us. The question becomes, am I going to trust that God knows best or am I going to insist that I know best? That's really where this is going. Am I going to trust that God knows best or am I going to insist that I know best? And I'm going to demand my way and I'm going to say, not that God is going to yield to that, but that, but that's, that, I, I just got, I, that's what I want in my life. That's what I got to understand. You and I know this is true but it is easy to submit to God's sovereignty, his authority, his preeminence. It is easy to, to bow to that when God works and God moves and God responds the way we think he should, right? You don't have to amen it, but you know that that's true. It, it is, it's easy to say, I got the job I wanted. God is so good. It's easy to say uh, the scan came back negative. God is so good. It's easy to say th- things, are, things are better in my home or in the workplace or in, at school. or Things are better than they've ever been. God is so good. My car broke down and it only cost $22 to fix instead of the $800 that the guy... God is so good. But submitting to God's preeminence in our life is the ability to say... I didn't get the job, but God is so good. They saw something on the scan, but God is so good. Things are tough in my house right now. 
but God is so good. Listen to me. That, that's not just some, some hocus pocus magic thing. That's not just some Jedi mind trick to somehow make me feel better about my circumstances. It's a theological fact. God is so good. And because he is so good, everything that happens in my life is based on his goodness. God acts according to his character. A character of goodness, a a God who has a character of, of love and mercy and compassion and power and authority. And what he does is based on who he is. And so by faith, I must choose. God, I surrender to your preeminence in my life. I'm going to complain sometimes, God, I know I am, but God, I'm I'm submitting to your preeminence. You know better than I know. God, I will submit my will to your will. So listen, pray, pray as you want to pray. Pray as you want God to answer the prayer. Prayer, praying how you want things to work out. Listen, we've we've had people in this church who who have prayed things that, 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 were things that would honor God and, and that we've seen them show an amazing amount of faith, but those things didn't necessarily work out the way we thought they would, would work out or the way we'd want them to work out. But that's when faith allows me to yield to his preeminence in my life and say, God, just like my son, just like JC, God, we may not see everything that's going on. We may not understand all that's happening or why it's happening, but God, you know better about what I need than I know what I need. So God... May I, like the Apostle Paul, say, therefore all the more will I boast in my infirmities. For when I'm weak, then, then I'm strong. Prayer is the preeminence of God in our life. Always has to be there. Here's the second idea this morning to share with you. Y'all all right? That sounded a little heavy. Is that heavy? Here's the second idea. Prayer is power through God. Y'all say that with me out loud. Prayer is power through God. Say it one more time. Prayer is power through God. Let's read verses 18 through 23. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no entertainment was brought before him and his sleep fled from him. Then the king rose, arose at dawn at the break of day. He went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel... He cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Um, Eric Bumbles sent me this photo uh, this week, a photo of a, of a painting. Uh, maybe you've seen it before of Daniel in the lion's den. Isn't that an awesome painting? I think it's an awesome uh, painting. And he, he knows God's, once he knows God's in the midst of it, man, he does. I just think that's awesome. Prayer is, is the power of God. It's the ability for God to work in and through a situation. In Daniel's case, he's lowered into the, to the 
lion's den. As I said last week, you know, the king makes his proclamation, you know, oh, your God will deliver you. But you can tell by his response, he's, he's not sure how that was going to go. But listen, can I just point something out to you about this, this text about King Darius? King Darius was arguably the most powerful man on earth at that time. He had millions of people who were subject to him. He had hundreds, probably thousands of servants, slaves. Daniel, on the other hand, was from a conquered people who was brought into that land as a slave. And yet, here's King Darius, this guy who can have anything he wants, anytime he wants it. This guy who has millions of people who who must bow before him. And here's Darius. He can't eat. He can't sleep. Personally and passionately concerned about Daniel. Do you know what that says? To you and me, listen to me today. You know what that says to you? Never underestimate the influence of one person when the power of God is behind them. You may think in your life, you may think, man, I'm not having any effect at all in school. I'm trying to live for Jesus. And these people laugh at me and, and they won't pay attention to me and they won't come. You may think you have no influence at your workplace or, or in your home situation. You may think that you're not making any difference at all. I'm here to say to you, never underestimate the influence of one person when the power of God is working in the situation. It's the power of God. But here's the deal. Daniel had to trust in the power of God and not in the answer to his prayers. Do you understand? And this is key, ladies and gentlemen, this is key to a powerful prayer life. Daniel had to trust in God, in the power of God, and not in the answer to his prayers. Because because we want God to answer prayers. We want God to, to move in a certain way that we do that. But, but experience tells us, life teaches us. And as we just saw, sometimes God knows more than what, what we know. And sometimes God does not answer a prayer the way we think he should answer a prayer. And so our trust, our faith must be built on, on God and not the answer we are expecting. Because if it is, if it's built on, on this answer that, that you know, I'm, I'm naming this and I'm claiming this. Not, this is what's going to happen in my life. I'm absolutely. And, 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 and if it doesn't turn out that way, you're left with bitterness and disappointment and disillusionment and anger and resentment. But if your faith is in God and in his goodness, then you're in a position where the power of God can operate and work in your life. Our faith, listen to me, our faith must not be in the miracle. Our faith must be in the maker of miracles. Do you understand? And there is a huge difference between those two. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trusting in this outcome, this is, this, this is how I know it's going to come out. I'm trusting in the God who controls the outcome. That is critical to see power flow in our lives. That is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is the nuclear football. That is the, that is the pass codes to, to opening uh, God's power to work in and through our lives. That's it. That's the key. Understanding that, that, that I'm yielded to him, I'm submitted to him, and I'm placing myself in position to where his power can work and flow in my life. Some of us are old enough to remember this. At 8.32 in the morning on May 18, 1980, Mount St. Helens erupted in, uh, in Washington State. 
the explosion from the eruption was so severe that it, it registered a 5.2 earthquake on the Richter scale. It caused an avalanche of trees and debris and dust and ash to come flowing down the mountain at 500 miles an hour. It caused, it caused a tidal wave on Spirit Lake that they estimate was between two and 300 feet high. The top 1,200 feet of the mountain was blown off four miles. The sound was heard as far away as Oregon and Saskatchewan, Canada. Ash was spread over 11 different states and Canada. An ash plume, get this, was thrown 70,000 feet into the air. Now, I think that's about twice as high as what commercial jets normally fly. And within 10 minutes, get this, within 10 minutes, 230 square miles of lush forest was completely obliterated. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a lot of power. A lot of power sitting under the surface of the earth. And Mount St. Helens became the conduit. It became the channel through which that power was released. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to say to you today that your prayer, your prayers are the conduit. They are the channel through which God's power is released into a person's life, into a situation, into an event, into a circumstance. Prayer is the key. Prayer is how it happens. It becomes this, this, this vehicle through which power is released. That's how it happens. Psalm uh, 66 Verse 3 says, say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. That's the God whom you've gathered in here today to worship. As I heard an old preacher say years ago, many years ago, I heard a preacher say that prayer is the match that lights the fuse to God's power. It really is. That's what prayer allows to happen in your life. Yes, it's It's his timing, yes, it's his will and yielding to that, but being able to pray and knowing that God has control and God is in power, uh, that God can work, he has chosen to use. God can do anything he wants to do, right? And God has chosen to use prayer as the vehicle through which his power can be released into the world. Now think about that for a moment. At your disposal, on your lips, in your mind is the ability to change the world through the power of prayer. To pray for a person that was, is without a relationship with Jesus Christ, a family member that you love very much, or a, a person in, in China or Sri Lanka or Afghanistan or Timbuktu, wherever it is, to know that you can pray uh, for God's power to be working in a, per, in a person's situ- life or in a certain situation or a movement among a people, and to know that that pa- prayer is having its effect. Is it going to turn out exactly as I want, I don't, uh, as I think it should? I don't know. But what I know is that prayer becomes the vehicle through which I, do, I, can, I can be involved in that. A person is sick. And, and, and you and, and me and we, rightly so, pray for them. Pray for healing. Pray for If the person doesn't, isn't healed the way we thought they should be, does that mean the, power, the prayer had no power? No. It means, like my son, that we may not understand all that's going on or all that God is doing. 
But by faith, we choose to trust him and pray. And God's word is very clear that he uses our prayers to change the world. I want to encourage you in your life. Where, where is it in your life? Where do you need to see the power of God move and work in your life or in the life of someone that you know? Where do you need that power demonstrated? Where do we need to see the power of God demonstrated in the life of Cross Culture Church in 2018 and beyond? Prayer is the key, ladies and gentlemen. That's, it has to be. That's why I'm asking you for 18 minutes a week to pray specifically for this church so that God's power can be released, so that, so that we can come to the end of this year and move into the, to the, all the years of other, and, and to say, that was God. God's power was clearly moving. Does that mean that, that God will move in every way we think he should, or will everything work out the way we thought it should? Or, or I thought when we prayed this, that that would happen. No, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you that his power is released through prayer. I cannot tell you that if you pray, I cannot tell you that you will get everything that you want to turn out exactly the way you want it to turn out. I can't tell you that. What I can tell you is if you and I do not pray, we will not see the power of God operating in our lives, in other people's lives, or in the life of this church. We must pray. We must pray. Okay, let me me share one more idea with you this morning. Prayer is praise do God. It's his preeminence. It's his power working. And prayer is praise, do God. Verse 25 says, Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Uh, that was some power, by the way. Hungry lions don't, be, don't decide to just become vegan one night when a perfectly healthy human being is dropped into their laps. Right? The power of God was on display because Daniel yielded to God's will. But, <laughs> you know, it sounds like something Billy Graham would say. Right? I mean, this is, right? This, this, is, not, this is not a preacher. This is not a theologian. This is not a, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Who's saying this thing? This is a pagan king who was so egotistical that he thought it would be a good idea for people to not be able to bow down or worship any other god than him. This is Darius, a guy who, who had, could be ruthless, ambitious. This is Darius saying this. That's what happens when the power of God is displayed. Praise comes to God. Praise that is due to him comes to God when, when the people of God submit to God's will and pray and, and, and God's power is released in and through their lives by the way, we're, all, we're all also back to that whole never underestimate the influence of one person thing again, aren't we? That Daniel would have this kind of effect on Darius, that Darius would stand up there and give this, this theological treatise. I mean, he's, he's spot on with what he says about God. And I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but Darius breaks his own injunction. Darius should have ordered himself into the lion's den because he's sitting there praising and worshiping Daniel's God, the one true God. That's, that's what our prayer life ought to look like. Our prayer life also obviously ought to include praise to our God, but it results in praise for our God when, when, we, 
when we allow him to, to, to send his power through this conduit, this channel of, of prayer. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the Super Bowl. Again, you're, you're all invited. Come by. But, I, mean, I don't know if this will happen tonight, but if you, if you watch enough football games... Uh, sooner or later, you'll see sometimes when an athlete scores a touchdown, you'll, you'll see that athlete bow down and for just a moment pray and I, I assume thank God for their abilities or their, their health or their, you know, whatever all their, they're probably not praying for their 401k in that moment, but they're, they're, they're probably thanking, but they're thanking God for their abilities in that moment. And it may not seem like that significant a thing, but I'm saying to you in that, in that moment, millions of people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, are witnessing someone praying to God and thanking God. And in that moment, I honestly believe God, praise is brought to God as a result of it. It was so cool a few weeks ago when the University of Alabama Crimson Tide won another national championship. Another national championship. And no matter which team you're pulling for, whatever, you know, whichever way you're going or whatever, it was so cool to see this freshman quarterback who's brought in at halftime and literally saves the game, uh, becomes the star, wins most valuable player, uh, all this kind of stuff uh, for him uh, to stand before the media. Now, you know, nationally, maybe worldwide known, tens of millions of people have just watched him uh, do what he did, uh, fame. All this stuff now has come to him, and the first words out of his mouth is, I, I just need to start by giving all the praise and honor and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just think that's cool. And I, and I know the media is always quick to get off of it, and we, you know, we need to move on. And Oh, yeah, 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 good. But, but now let's, let's talk about what really, you know. I, I know they're quick to get off of it, but I just believe in that moment, millions of people without a relationship with Jesus Christ have witnessed someone praising God. And it has to have an impact. I believe, in people's hearts and in their lives. Listen, um, Second Chronicles chapter uh, 20, I think it is, something somewhere like that. Second Samuel, sorry, 22. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from it. Notice, notice the connection of prayer. He's calling upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my en- enemies. Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 22, verse 50. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations. See what's happening? He's praising God. The nations are, are seeing this, and I will sing praises to your name. Uh, go ahead. What's the next one? Uh, Psalm 18.3, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Again, notice the connection with prayer. I am saved from my enemies. Uh, Daniel 2.20, uh, Daniel says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. In Luke chapter 18, immediately he regained his sight. This man, had been, Jesus had healed. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave, when they saw the power of God demonstrated, and this man glorifying God as a result of it, they did what? They gave praise to God. And then one more, Acts chapter 16. If you're familiar with this story, you know it was one of those circumstances that was awful and horrible. They've been beaten up. They've been thrown in jail. And as a result of, of their terrible circumstances, what are they doing? They're, they're having a revival meeting downstairs in the prison. They're, they're singing praises to God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners. We're listening to them. Whether they realize it or not, and most of them do not, but people without a relationship with Jesus Christ are prisoners. They're prisoners uh, 
to an enemy who desires to keep them from a relationship with God. They're prisoners to, a, uh, to an enemy that would desire for them to never experience the joy and the forgiveness and the promises of God in their life. And when you and I, who've experienced this God in our lives and know of his power and have seen his power work in our life, maybe not always the way we thought it would, but we've experienced his power in our life. When we, when we give to God what is due to God, when we praise him, those prisoners listen, ladies and gentlemen. They listen. Will they all come to Christ? Probably not. But some will. Some lives will be impacted. Some difference will be made when we give God what he is due in the midst of the trials and the circumstances, when it's not going the way I'm praying and want it to go, can I still say, as the Apostle Paul again said, therefore all the more will I boast in my infirmities, in my weaknesses, in my trials and distresses and tribulations. For when I am weak, I am strong, God's power can flow, and God is praised. If you can say that about your prayer life, if I can say that about my prayer life, That's a successful prayer life that can compete with anybody's prayer life. Prayer is the match that lights the fuse to God's power. What a great statement and how true it is. But as we heard today, in order to experience God's power in and through our prayer life, we have to make sure that we recognize His preeminence. God is not the giant Visa card in the sky that we order up what we want. He is the Lord God Almighty, and we yield our lives and will to Him. As Pastor Clay explained, it's fine to ask for what we think is best in a situation, but our knowledge is limited. So we yield to our God, who knows all and knows what to do that will be best for us, whether we realize it or not. When we yield to Him, we can expect to experience His power working in our lives and through our prayers. Our response should always be one of praise for our God. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross-culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about a relationship, a community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person, real people who truly care, solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, and the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.